This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. You're on the free breakfast. It's time for our fortnightly information and updates on current issues being faced by cycling. Uh, we'll be talking with Bike Waikato Chair Richard Porter. Good morning, Richard. Good morning. How are things going? Pretty well. Yeah. Still got some great weather to get out on our bikes, so uh, I don't think we're complaining at all. Yeah, definitely. We've got some um, nice, relatively warm days um, that at the same time aren't too hot to ride in. Um, I suppose uh, today uh, we suggested we could talk about uh, kids getting to school on their bikes. So yeah. to start with the layperson's question, the absolute layperson's question, what, uh, what obstacles do children face to riding to school? Well, I think, it's, um, I think we can, if we think back, um, probably when we were kids, um, if we can think back that far, um, it's, there seemed to be so many people that jumped on their bike to get around town, to go to school, to go and visit their friends. And we seem to be missing that um, interaction and that, that um, means of transport these days with kids and how they get around. And what, um, what's noticeable, so I'm, I'm a father of, of three, two of them at school, and um, I get to sit at the school gate um, and, and watch the going on while I'm dropping off and picking up kids. And there's, there's always a lot of a lot of vehicles and a lot of people, vulnerable people, mixing together. And uh, what we've created, by the looks of it, is a, is a transport system where a lot of people recognise that it's not safe for their kids to walk or ride a bike to school um, because they and everybody else are jumping into their vehicles because of time constraints or maybe um, the weather might seem a little inclement and so they don't want people to kids to get wet, um, they might not have the right wet weather gear or something to get to school and we're exacerbating this problem and feeding this vicious cycle of delivering our children to school in the car because we don't think it's safe for them to be able to walk or jump on a bike and uh, it's going to be a tricky tricky task but I'm trying to convince lots of people that um, we should allow our kids to get themselves to school um, on their own steam so to speak, um, and uh, free the roads up a little bit so we can all get to the places that we need to go to. As a matter of interest, Richard, is there bike racks at your children's school? There is. Yep, there's, uh, there's some bike racks. They're probably not the most appealing bike racks, but <laughs> there, there are some, um, uh, which does help. There's, there's quite a few of the um, more senior kids that do ride to school. Um, and ride home from school, um, but then there's a lot of the the junior class that classes that obviously don't based on their skills and the, the dangers that are around the school gate for them. I suppose that could be one uh, one hurdle to come across is to make children feel like it is an option that they can actually take their bikes to school, that they can actually uh, lock them up and that um, uh, for them to have the correct clothing to be able to ride in slightly inclement weather, um, because as you say, that would definitely be 
I mean, for goodness sake, I, I used to have friends who lived like two doors away from school and their parents blooming drove them there, <laughs> you know. Um, yes. Um, just because the parents don't want them to get wet. That's right. I think we, uh, we, we sort of jumped to what is going to be the, the easiest way for us to do things but, um, where we currently already have the, the equipment as opposed to um, getting ourselves sorted with uh, equipment or weather gear or even just an umbrella and some, some decent shoes um, and some common sense of not trying to jump over a puddle, um, <laughs> which, is, which is always fun, um, on, on the way to school. Um, uh, it's, it's funny, isn't it? It's like um, being able to provide, you know, making sure that we provide good bike parking so people can lock their bikes up. Um, there's there's sort of two streams in there, and that yes, that's it's a really good way to to encourage people to get on their bikes because they can see where they're going to park their bike. They know their bikes are going to be safe and secure, um, and even protected from the elements um, as well is always a good thing. And then there's some people who will find anywhere they can to park or lock their bike up because often that is their only means of transport, and so. They have they have sort of been the forgotten ones, um, and they're needing to try and find somewhere. That was quite interesting. I happened to notice um, at the school yesterday that there were three adults' bikes parked up and chained, effectively chained to a cage that protected. I think it might have been a gas meter or something. Um, so, in some cases, people will find anywhere they need they they can to lock their bike up to make sure that it's still there when they come back to it at the end of the day. Mm, but is that important endorsement of, yes, yes, you can bike to school, here's a nice bike rack, here's some shelter, like, here's the actual facilities for you to do this. Um, That's right. Yeah. And, and, and having people that are making decisions, so, um, and, and this is, um, there's a whole bunch of people as well. There's, um, there's decision makers and, and staff within our road controlling authorities, our councils, um, and also people making decisions on our boards of trustees at schools um, and within the staffing at schools to to decide that they want to have or to provide those opportunities and those options to the students, um, and so front footing the investment in um, yeah and decent and safe and secure bike parking, um, even modifying what happens outside the school gate, encouraging parents to change their behaviours outside the school gate. So not just for kids that are getting dropped off in the car, but kids that are that are walking to school because they live so close or kids that are jumping on a bike or scooters can get in and out of the school gate without the risk of vehicles going past and and in the places that they would normally be. And that's that's sometimes sometimes a bit difficult for people to get their head around as well. We've got all of these parents dropping their kids off in the car, so we need to cater towards those people. Um, if we can, as, as you say, if we can provide them with a really attractive alternative, um, there's a very high chance that we'll actually can not so much convince, but provide that option for people and that reassurance that it is going to be safer than the current situation. You're right. Using cars has been normalised. And as we discussed previously uh, on this feature, um, Hamilton is very much an example of a car-oriented city. Um, But 
looking looking at the case of uh, kids being able to access schools on bikes or scooters or on foot, um, we're looking at um, a bit more than just reducing the speed limit to 40, aren't we? There is. There's, there's a whole manner of things, really, and, and they're as wide as reducing speed limits, and I think reducing speed limits below 40 would probably be even a, an even better idea. Um, but also encouraging people to modify their behaviours around, um, as, as you sort of touched on, and, and we've touched on previously as well, modifying people's behaviours around what is, and normal is not the right word, but what is a, a, a suitable mode of transport to be used and not always defaulting to the motor vehicle and thinking about the fact that a lot of students that go to schools are within a school zone um, so it's quite close you know so they're living quite close to their school um, which is you know well within two to three kilometers um, which are ideal distances to use a bicycle um, or even a, an electric scooter um, depending on the age of the, the people that are, that are moving around in place of a vehicle um, we we're notorious for I think the when um, the Ministry of Transport runs their household travel surveys, um, New Zealand often comes up with statistics of two-thirds of the population um, travel distances of two kilometres or less in a motor vehicle. And those distances are ideal distances that can be replaced by other means of transport. But in order to do that, sometimes we need to make some obvious changes to our transport infrastructure as well. And that's going to be the, the um, in immediate changes and also longer-term changes to change people's um, mentality. So that brings us to the next part of our conversation. Um, the first part there looked at schools and their infrastructure and what they can do about this uh, or, or what can be done by um, Waka Kotahi uh, in the surrounding streets. But um, looking at the likes of Hamilton City Council or other district and regional councils, um, there, there would be a lot being looked at at the moment, wouldn't there? There is. There's, there's, some, there's actually some good work about to start. Um, we've had, there's been some announcements and there should be some more coming up. Um, Hamilton City Council has received funding approval from Waka Kotahi for Eastern Pathways, which uh, includes the school link um, network of projects. And so they have funding to start the design process, which will be a multi-year um project um, and so there's a consultant hopefully about to be awarded for that work which will really help get the ball rolling especially on the eastern side of the city. Um, Waipa District Council as well uh, are rolling, um, continuing out with plans for a, a network to link um, some of the neighbourhoods and schools in Cambridge um, and these are, the, these are the starting points. These are, these are not the the total network. These are the, the pieces that we've managed to get the funding for initially and um, these are the places that we're going to be able to really show people that they can um, that they can leave the car at home for the day or for the week and uh, do something a bit different and feel like they're getting to school uh, while also being able to clear their head or getting to work at the same time 
um, dropping their kids off on the bike as they go, um, and then carrying on, um, and also you know getting that fresh air and that exercise into their day as well. Imagine having that choice, <laughs> that sense that would, of choice. It would be it would be a very uh, it would be a, a very different situation for a lot of people, and giving them the option to think about the fact, especially in the uh, when we think about what the situation is right now with the price of fuel and the price of the cost of living um, and give people that opportunity if they've got a bike in the back shed um, they can pull that out dust it off and save themselves probably hundreds of dollars every month uh, in transport costs um, just to get themselves to and from the, their daily activities. Richard Porter, Chair of Bike Waikato, thanks as always for coming on the free breakfast. Really great to Thank talk. Thank you very much. Great to be there. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.